0: This is a download from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. It's seven forty seven. You're with Julian Ung and Joyce Go, and coming up in about fifteen minutes' time is the Breakfast Grill, and I will be speaking to Datuk Muhammad. Nizam Sairi, Deputy CEO for Tax Operation at the Inland Revenue Board of Malaysia. Uh, and we know that with the introduction of new taxes like uh, sugar and digital tax, uh, as well as increased efforts to clamp down on tax avoiders, the IRB will be set for a very challenging uh, 2019. So uh, we speak to the Deputy CEO of Tax Operation, Datuk Muhammad Nizam Sairi, on how IRB plans to monitor individuals and unexplained, extraordinary wealth and how the agency will be working together uh, with all these entities moving forward. So stay tuned for that coming up uh, after the 8am news. And uh, talking about the unexplained, big scoop this morning, Joyce, uh, by the Wall Street Journal. Mm. Uh, It was reported that senior Chinese leaders had apparently offered to help bail out 1MDB in 2016.
1: Yeah, according to minutes from a series of previously undisclosed meetings reviewed by the Wall Street Journal, they said that the, min- the minutes show that Chinese officials told visiting Malaysians that China would use its influence to try to get the US and other countries to drop their probes into the allegations against then-Prime Minister Dr. Najib and his involvement in 1MDB. Additionally, the Chinese had also offered to bug the home and offices of the Wall Street Journal reporters in Hong Kong who were investigating the fund. And I mean, Julian, reading Shock the story. And horror. I know. And they, they, they said that the Chinese had said that this is uh, to bug the they offered to bug the homes and offices to learn who was leaking information to the journalists at the Wall Street Journal.
0: And of course there there is always a quid pro quo as far as the Chinese uh concern uh, Malaysia was to offer lucrative stakes in railway and pipeline projects you may be familiar with some of these projects mm. uh for China's one belt one road program of building infrastructure and within months uh Prime Minister Najib signed uh, 34 billion US dollars uh, of rail and pipeline deals with China uh, state companies and this was to be funded by chinese banks as well as built by chinese workers.
1: Yeah, it's a, I mean it is a signature initiative of building ports, railways, roads and pipelines in some 70 countries to generate trade and business for chinese companies. This is the China's Belt and Road and US officials have said that China is using this program to increase influence, you know, its influence over developing nations and to trap them in debt while advancing their military aims. So according to a person familiar with U.S. discussions, um, this is in the Wall Street Journal story, American national security officials regard the Chinese efforts in Malaysia as Beijing's most ambitious attempt to leverage the program for geostrategic gain.
0: Uh, Absolutely, and uh, the report states that Najib was actually aware of uh, the 2016 Malaysian-Chinese meetings. And of course, Joyce, uh, the Chinese are known for uh, what is called the checkbook diplomacy to gain influence around the region and around the world uh, a lot of times uh, through very um, negative outcomes as well now the documents also describe a plan proposed by Malaysian officials for Chinese state companies to build two large projects with funding from Chinese banks uh, these are the u.s 16 billion dollars East Coast railway link and the other one is the two and a half billion US dollars trans saba gas pipeline
1: yeah so the documents uh, state that the projects are to provide above market profitability to the Chinese state companies, given that the rail link should only cost 7.25 billion US dollars to build. Instead, I think the price tag was about 16 billion US dollars. And uh, this, this, um, how much the rail link should cost at 7.25 billion US dollars was according to an earlier estimate by a Malaysian consultancy. This was quoted in the Wall Street Journal story.
0: And uh, more ominously is also uh, Sun Li Jun, who is the head of China's domestic security force, confirmed that China's government was now surveilling the Wall Street Journal's Hong Kong office at Malaysia's request. This includes full scale residential office device tapping computer, phone, web data retrieval and full operational surveillance. is it really stuff for a movie to be made. I know,
1: and so shocking. And uh, Mr Sun had added, uh, I guess this is what they can see in a minute, that they will establish all the Malaysian links and sources that the WSJ Hong Kong has and will hand over the data to Malaysia through back channels once everything is ready.
0: And according to two other people familiar with the discussions, Najib has also embarked on secret talks with China China's leadership to let Chinese navy ships dock at two Malaysian ports, so uh, national security is also at stake here.
1: But not sure whether or not the plan. I think the plans didn't take place on that on that uh, discussions. But also, I guess there were also notes on the discussion on September twenty second, twenty sixteen, which say that the site, uh, both sides agreed to move ahead with the infrastructure deals, even though they may not have strong. Project financials, and the documents go on to say that participants in the project need not waste time studying the actual project financials to see if they can sustain the debt. As <laughs> you the can't Malaysian, make this thing. Stop. I know, as the Malaysian government backed the deals for strategic reasons. Yeah, as I read it, I'm going, "What? Yeah, well, this is a big scoop coming out from the Wall Street Journal." Exactly, and
0: yeah. uh, Malaysia became the second biggest recipient of the One Belt One Road initiative in a few months. The uh, you know the Export Import Bank of China. Had paid out about 80 percent of the two and a half billion U.S. dollar loans pledged to state-owned China Petroleum Pipeline Bureau to build the pipeline, and uh, also in related uh, to the story, a lot of uh, newspapers are carrying uh, the story that 70 witnesses are to testify uh, for the 6.6 billion CBT trial of uh, Tan Sri Mohamed Irwan, who was the former Treasury Secretary General as well as uh, Najib.
1: Yes, Deputy Public Prosecutor Dr Jamil Aripin has said that they have a total of 138 witnesses for the case but will only call 70 of them. And as for the documents, uh, the DPP has already submitted 70% of them but have asked for more time as some are classified under the Official Secrets Act.
0: So just to go through the laundry list of the six counts of CBT, uh, CBT of 1.2 billion and 655 million government property, which were entrusted to them, Uh, CBT of 222 million and 1.3 billion ringgit in property entrusted to them uh, over uh, in the Federal Consolidated Fund, and another uh, CBT case of about 1.3 billion ringgit and 2 billion ringgit government property, uh, which was Uh, entrusted to them as well.
1: Well, Julian, there's also news that former Goldman Sachs banker Roger Ng was just denied bail by the Sessions Court yesterday. So Judge M.M. Edwin Prajoti dismissed Ng's application, stating that Ng was a flight risk and that the interests of justice would be best served if Ng remains in custody, particularly given the nature and circumstance of the case And the offences that uh, Roger Ehring is charged with.
0: And this, of course, comes after uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, secretly... Uh, testified as part of the U.S. Justice Department's investigations into the 1MDB scandal about three days ago. Now, uh, let's move on uh, to th- this other news that we have, uh, Joyce. Mm. Uh, Ram Malaysia says that uh, business confidence in the country, as measured by the Ram Business Confidence Index for the first half of 2017, has dropped to its lowest since the index began tracking in uh, the beginning of 2017.
1: Lowest level, okay. Well, what is the Ram Business Confidence Index? It's a quarterly survey of around 3,500 firms comprising large corporates as well as SMEs nationwide, looking at their performance expectations and operational intentions in the coming six months. So why is it so low right now? I guess, according to Ram Holdings, one of the key factors driving firms' sentiment this year is the weak economic prospects over the next six months
0: i gotta correct myself mm. uh, there's the business confidence index that's looking forward but not looking in the past mm. uh, so I, I guess they call up a bunch of business leaders and ask them what they feel right uh, mm. it can be a very subject subjective thing uh, feelings are uh, <laughs> yeah
1: and, true and, but and sentiments on the ground how sentiments feeling,
0: yeah yes uh, this, this, is a, this is a good way of going out there and just uh, just feeling out the sentiment so uh, just looking at, at the chart here, I got a graph here, mm. and uh, I just want to echo Onken Ken Ming a little bit here, because if you look at the big picture and you look back at uh, you know, 12, 24 months, uh, over the last 12, 24 months, you can see that while uh, the headline is correct in saying that it's one of the lowest uh, since the survey was started, uh, it might uh, sound a little bit sensationalist, uh, because Um, uh, you know, it's hovering between uh, an index level of 55 and 57. All right. So Mm -hmm. there's not much volatility here. And as far as the first half of 2019 is concerned, it's just going back from 57 to 55, which was last experienced in the second half of 2017. But the effects are more pronounced in the SME uh, subsector uh, where you have a much sharper fall. And in fact, uh, the SME subsector has uh, fallen, um, is it's the lowest since the index started and it's fallen below 51 uh, from a high of uh, 54.
1: Well, you know, Julian, this whole negative sentiment has been gone ongoing for a couple of years now. Sometimes you hear business owners saying, oh, this year is going to be tough. We cannot pay out so much bonus. We cannot pay out so much increment because it's going to be tough. We need to break of sales for a tough year, that has been going on for a couple of years now. It's becoming quite like a an old record already. You it's it's I, I what I they
0: always say. Uh, maybe the they want the year, to. Right? Maybe maybe they want to just uh, prepare people's minds, or maybe they're going to enter some kind of a negotiation and they want lower prices. But <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really tie in. I, I know that uh, that. Things are not very rosy right now, but it doesn't tie in with the number of IPOs that have come mm. out this year or have been announced this year. And in fact, uh, yesterday, DPI Holdings was listed. And they did uh, really
1: well, DPI, I they, think.
0: they jumped. They mm. just jumped up. Uh, the other listing uh, this year was uh, actually not this. Uh, today, Today there'll be another new one, Gagasan Nadi Chirgas, which is in the construction and utilities uh, concession business. Uh, and we had a slew of uh, listing announcements this year as well.
1: Proposed listings, one of the Mr. DIY, I think they're eyeing a 1.5 billion ringgit IPO. We also have Kim Hinju, Malaysia Berhad, which retails Mothercare. And ELC Brands in Malaysia, they're planning on IPO on the ACE market as well, but not sure when.
0: Of course, uh, we also have uh, YB Onken Ming saying that uh, the country would not uh, get into recession.
1: Also, we have, speaking about IPO, Julia, I missed this, the Palita Group as well is planning an IPO on the ACE market.
0: Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, that's your nasi uh, mm. uh, if you've seen it. So, um, the Breakfast Grill is coming up after the news. I'm speaking to Datuk Muhammad Nizam Sairi, Deputy CEO of Tax Operation for the Inland Revenue Board. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast.